Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Sure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Sure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 Podcast Kit, visit Shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit TheOldMillPress.com. And by listeners like you. This is Nebraska State poet Matt Mason, and you are listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, El John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast, the show about all things Disney and pop culture. Every week, we take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, as well as going on in the world of streaming, what's playing in theaters, and what's going on in the universe of entertainment. I'm Al John Go, musician and longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culture fan. And you can email me, aljohn, A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, and author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. I am broadcasting from our Skull Rock mobile studios in beautiful Coronado Islands, San Diego. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also email me at Dave at skullrockpodcast.com. Al John, how are you this fine day? I'm wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It's uh getting getting more like spring and it's probably going to last a couple of weeks here in Nashville as we move on into summer, Dave. Well, you know, we we were we were in summer last week, uh hitting the 90s, yeah. and then we slipped back to winter out here. <laughs> uh with uh you know, it was 43 degrees uh last Ooh. Thursday morning, Ooh. you know, and we're talking the beginning of May here. I yeah. mean, come on, what's going on in this world? So strange, so strange. So uh may I ask what are you doing in San Diego? Well, you know, uh, Al John, I came down for the um uh, international, uh, or excuse me, the independent, uh, book publishers associations, uh, annual conference and the 35th annual, uh, Benjamin Franklin book awards. And you know, our friend, Matt Mason, yes, we've had him on the show, poet, Matt Mason, poet laureate. Yes. Yeah. His book at the corner of fantasy in Maine, it won a silver medal. Wow. That's in awesome. the poetry category. So we'll give that, that a, really a round exciting. of applause. Yeah. A round of applause for a great, great artist. And uh, Yeah, so a nice shout out to Matt Mason in Omaha, Nebraska. Congratulations yeah. on your silver medal. That's amazing. Well, that's great, man. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And you had a lot of fun this week. I know, um, was it uh, you You had that uh, reunion of the CalArts crew last week, too? 
Yeah, you know, last week, we didn't really talk about it last week, but I have to say now that a week has passed, uh, the CalArts, um, it was the 50th anniversary of the school, which was kind of delayed by a year or two because of the pandemic. Of course. You know, the camp, the camp is actually opened in 71, 72, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so uh, we actually did the celebration this year. It, like so many things, everything got slipped a little bit um, because of the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, it, it was really a great weekend. There was, you know, there was just uh, music performances going on all weekend up at CalArts and uh, a lot of alumni came, you know, there was a couple thousand people came to the campus. Wow. Uh, and uh, on the Saturday night, we had a big dinner um, uh, I think there was like 400 people at the dinner. Whoa. Uh, and, uh, we inducted a couple of honorary alums, uh, trustee, uh, Jim Lovelace, uh, and also Tim Disney, who is the son of Roy E. Disney, mm. the grandson of Roy O. Disney. Yes. Um, and so, you know, Tim's been very active for many, many years, uh, on the CalArts board of trustees. And so he was inducted as an honorary alumni That's awesome. uh, at the school. So it was really a fun weekend. It was great seeing a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while. I mean, I ran into some folks that were classmates and, you know, Disney colleagues. Some of you know, one guy I hadn't seen in a good 25 years because wow. he moved to the East Coast. You know, well, it's nice when you can get the whole group of people together. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I have to say it was great. A lot of animation people. I saw a lot of our guests at I the reunion. I bet you yeah, did. A, a lot of them. And probably a lot of future guests as well. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Well, I can't wait. Uh, I'm, it sounds like a blast. Um, for me, I was just uh, yeah, busy, busy, busy with uh, everything going on in terms of work and the kids. But I have to say that uh, I was celebrating Star Wars Day. This entire week, I was just uh, going back. Of course, you know me being a big Star Wars fan. I'm wearing my Star Wars T-shirt now. And it was great to kind of revisit a lot of old Star Wars movies and and cartoons and things like that, which is pretty cool. So that was May the 4th. That's right. Be with you. May the 4th be with you. Yeah. Yes. And uh, uh, how did that get started? Do you know when that started or how that started? Not really sure. It probably started out being viral. Uh, so, and, and I think I've been, we've been celebrating it or it's been recognized over the past, you know, 10 years as a thing. And I know that back when Star Wars weekends before all this stuff happened, I think even when George Lucas opened up the redo of, of star tours, I think it was still a thing. So it's been going on for quite some time. I, I love it. I, I think that those kinds of things are hilarious. Well, yes, it is. And you know, with Star Wars Day, of course, Star Trek has to have their own day, you know, Frontier Day, which which happened as well uh, a while back. So it's really neat that the sci-fi franchises are able to kind of go out there and everybody and celebrate their fandom. And of course, me, you know, I've got my Boba Fett helmet. So you got to put the Boba Fett helmet with the electric guitars and post a bunch of pictures and stuff. So that's <laughs> always fun, you know, bring together my two passions, Star Wars and and uh, guitars. So. But uh, yeah, so we have that. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about the big drops that Disney Plus had for Star Wars Day, uh, which you can enjoy now and streaming. But uh, 
Dave, you had something you wanted. Yeah, to add? no, I was just going to say, but you know, I want to tease our our guest. We've got yes. you know part part two of our Bill Farmer interview, the voice of Goofy and Pluto, and we're really going to get into you know last week we really talked to Bill about you know sort of the formative years of his career uh, out doing radio and out on the uh, the stand up circuit, the comedy stand up circuit, yeah. and we're going to be talking a lot about Goofy and uh, how he got into. Uh, doing the voice of Goofy for Disney and Pluto and all of that kind of stuff. Wow. Can you imagine we've had now Bill on uh, gracious enough to do two shows with us, Phil Anselmo and Brett Iwan. So, I mean, we've, we've had quite a bit of the, of the fab five I mean, there. I, yeah. I was going to say Tony, Brett yeah. and uh, Bill. Yes. It's like the three musketeers. I love it. It's great. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. So, we're we're, we're going to have them back too. I can't wait to have them. They're, they're so much fun. So while we uh, prep Bill for week two, as he's in the green room hanging out, eating all the chips, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, hey, you know, we talked about Star Wars Day before we get into the reviews and the email. Uh, did you know they re-released Star Wars uh, Return of Jedi, Return of the Jedi for its 40th anniversary yeah, they put it in theaters. Yeah, you could, you could have gone back to see it in the theaters. I could have. Uh, I unfortunately wasn't able to do that because I would love to see it. But, uh, you know, this is a film that just holds up, you know? Yeah. It's just so good. Um, so I'm just uh, I'm, I'm glad it's back in theaters. And there's nothing like seeing a franchise like this back in the theaters to celebrate. So anyway, it is time now. For some listener email, if I can find out what I did with that thing. Let's just pretend I played the uh, the email bumper <laughs> because I thought I had it here. And I, oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm vamping. I'm vamping because here I found That's it. That's okay. Keep vamping. I found it. That's fine. <laughs> Answers your email. Via Twitter, Nick Dos Santos says, hey, Al, John, and Dave, this is Nick saying, Love your podcast. Everything about what you guys did and all the interviews too. I hope you guys might have Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, on your show soon. Since both had to- since you both have Tony and Selmo and Brett Iwan. Anyway, love the show. Continue with more interviews. And Al John is the man. What Al John? Al John, you are the man. Oh. You know, I I keep telling everybody you are the wizard behind the curtain, my friend. Oh man, you know, I we we try. I don't know, Nick. The check is in the mail, brother. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, so thank you for that feedback. And I'm glad that, you know, it's just so fortuitous that we happen to have Bill on the show, not once, but twice over the past couple of weeks. So there you go. There you go. Nick, you ask, we deliver. Your wish is our command. Um, we have a review, a five-star review, Dave, from iTunes. John MK says, great show for Disney pop culture fans. Love this podcast. The interviews with Disney artists are always great, but my favorite part of the show is where hosts discuss what they've been watching each, uh, watching each. I think he meant week. to say each week. We, we can say each week. Each week, I found a lot of hidden gems to watch through them. So, hey, John MK, I'm glad that you enjoy the show and our banter. You know, Al John, I've been saying this for a while now. I have people coming up to me, and that's the first thing they say. They love the fact that we're talking about what we're watching and we're out there discovering shows. And and if we like them, we're telling our, our audience, our listeners, uh, what we're watching, what we're enjoying. And we're also being honest, yeah. you know, no holes barred. We're yes. we're just saying, you know, like my review last week on Ghosted. Oh, my you know? God. 
<laughs> I literally had that on my watch list and I removed it. <laughs> it's like, nope, not going to watch that. So, well, you know, that's, and there you go. I saved you a good two hours. You know, you could be using for something else. Exactly. You see, that's how that's how it works. We watch so you don't have to. Uh, that's a good good byline there. Hey, if you've got email, you've got a review or whatever, please send it our way. You've got our email addresses. Hey, there's also another way you can contribute. And if you go to our uh, Spotify podcast page or the show, anywhere you, you find the show on your podcatcher, click that link. Or send us a voicemail. You can actually send us a voicemail just directly from your phone or your computer. If you've got a microphone, um, you know, or just your your whatever your webcam microphone, just click that link and you'll automatically send us a voicemail. It's like leaving us a voicemail message on the phone. It's pretty neat, and we haven't gotten any yet. So I encourage our, our listeners to go ahead and do that. It's amazing. So here we are. It is our time for picks of the week dave what have you been watching well i gotta tell you al john uh this past week has been a crazy crazy week Indeed. and being down here in coronado island in san diego uh i did not have a chance to go to the movies um but i am planning on seeing um Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 this coming week. So I'll be talking about that next week. Yeah. But on the small screen, um, uh, Nancy and I watched The Diplomat with Carrie Russell. Yeah. And uh, Carrie Russell. And I have to tell you, uh, that is a fantastic show. Yeah. Uh, they are coming back with a season two. There's eight episodes. It's extremely well done. I would just recommend this highly to all of our listeners. If you have a chance, check out The Diplomat on Netflix. Right on. Next up, uh, we watch Citadel. Right. And, and and I have to tell you, Citadel on Amazon Prime is, you know, it's a like espionage, spy, thriller, mystery kind of show. And sometimes Nancy doesn't really like those kinds of shows, but I got to tell you, we both love this show, Ooh. Citadel. So we watched a couple of episodes, so you can check that out on Amazon Prime. Looks good. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think people will really enjoy this. And again, very good production value. We also are keeping up on Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. Right. And also Jennifer Garner, who uh, uh, stars in The Last Thing He Said to Me on Apple Plus. We've been keeping track of that. She's the best. I love her. She's really terrific. And that's a really, you know, again, a good show. We're, we're on the edge of our seat with that one. We're really enjoying it. But that's really about all I had a chance to watch uh, this past week with all the stuff going on. Understood. So next week I'll have more. Right on. Well, what have you been watching? You watch a lot of stuff. Uh, just a couple things, nothing too much. But uh, yes, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. It is a story, of course, of Super Mario Brothers, Mario and Luigi journey through the Mushroom Kingdom. They start off in the quote unquote real world, uh, you know, and it's got that 3D animation style that that is known uh, right now. But of course, the 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 classic design of these characters stem back from the original uh, video games and it looks just like a video game come to life. They have donkey. I don't want to spoil it, but they have all the, all the great characters are there. Toad, princess peach, Mario, Luigi, donkey Kong, Bowser, who is the big enemy. And let me tell you that Matthew Fogel, the writer for this, 
which stars Chris Pratt and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and Charlie Day and Jack Black. They are amazing. I took the kids, and first of all, as a longtime video game fan, I love this movie. Just well enough done, fan huh? service. Very well very done. Well done. Story. Great story, engaging for the kids. And, you know, my kids are, you know, almost three, almost four. And they just sat and was like, whoa, that's cool. What is that? What is that? And just the bright and vivid colors. But it's well done. And it appeals to the kid and all of us, really. It's a universal themes of, you know, trying to rise up from your station in life. Uh, the Mario brothers have a fledgling. They put all their savings into their own business of, of being brother plumbers. And they find themselves caught in a whirlwind where they get transported to a magical world where they uh, find who they really are, where their inner strengths are to battle the formidable Bowser from destroying the universe. So uh, it's a, uh, you know, one of those things where the underdog the story happens, you know, that's a kind of plot line. And so the meta score on this is 46. The general IMDb rating is 7.3. I tend to give it a seven. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that sounds great to me. And I have to say it, it, it's a property that is well known. I think people who have grown up with Mario brothers are now parents and grandparents. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's really a, 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 good recognition and wide appeal. And if they did justice with a good story to hold you, which I'm sensing that that's what you feel like happened there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very wizard of Oz. Like, you know, it's got shades of wizard of Oz shades of star Wars, you know, the, you know, everything that you love about the kind of uh, fantasy genre uh, where they get plucked out of their place. They fall down the rabbit hole, if you will, and get to find out you know, they're true heroes. And uh, I think it's great. I think it's well done. And it's an easy watch, too. It's only like an hour and 30 minutes long. So awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So if you like that and the the, the fan service they do and the way they introduce the, the major characters make a lot of sense. So kudos to them. This is done by the same studio that does the um, uh, God, the uh, the Despicable Me movies. Oh yeah, that's uh, Illumination. Illumination, uh, yeah, which the, is part of Universal. Yep, uh, yep. They they've done the Minions, the Minions. and uh, all, all of those films. Yeah, it's very well done. Yeah. So I I did that. Can't uh, can't just uh, you know uh, give it a thumbs up. But uh, I also saw Maggie Simpson Rogue Not So One on Disney Plus, which is a short they have. And every uh, couple every year they have this uh, Simpsons Star Wars Day drop, and. This is a really cute, you know, four minute watch. It's a big spoof about how she gets dropped off at daycare. And of course, everybody at the daycare is all Star Wars out. And how if a kid, <laughs> a kid in the daycare uh, doesn't do uh, what they're told, they get frozen in the frozen carbonite. <laughs> they, they get put in timeout. It's like the carbonite timeout. And Darth Maul is there to steal uh, Maggie Simpson's pacifier. And then she uh, ends up having to fight him with a pacifier lightsaber fight, which is pretty neat. But uh, once again, it just goes to prove that the Simpsons keep on delivering very relevant timely content that is super entertaining and for four minutes you can't go wrong so uh, check out gotta that check that out i really do that's sure. on disney plus it's right? on disney plus do it all right now Excellent. uh we also watched the final episode of you uh which is a kind of um uh drama suspense 
a show on Netflix and this sets up for the final season that's going to be coming out probably next year. And I liked it. I liked it. Um, I would say this this season of you is probably a good six out of 10 for me. And I, I'll, I'll say that because it's it's a lot of the same, you know, you, we've had several seasons of this kind of playing out in different places. And I basically said, just take the characters, put them in a different situation in a different city. And they move from New York to LA now London. And it's kind of paint by numbers, but there are some glimmers in there. So I would say maybe half of the episodes are really, really intriguing. The other half is kind of filler, uh, but they really did ratchet it up for this, uh, this finale. So if you love that kind of intrigue, a who done it, kind of crazy twists you is a, a great show to watch awesome La- yeah last but not least um i'm going down my books you know last week i i told you i finished up uh, phil collins not dead yet and it's yeah. a great read uh there is sections of that that happened to deal with disney like two chapters about him working with disney so yeah and tarzan a, and tarzan and brother bear yeah so uh it's I, good saw, I saw him in the hallways once during tarzan that's awesome he was going through yeah. a little bit of a patch there um, yeah, yeah, but uh, right now I'm going through 18 in life on Skid Row, which is the Sebastian Bach story. Now, Sebastian Bach, to a lot of people, uh, was the former uh, lead singer of Skid Row, a uh, hard rock band of the 80s and 90s. And a lot of people know him as a Broadway star. He starred in uh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar as well as other musicals, Phantom of the Opera, uh, really accomplished singer, rock singer. So this is a uh, uncensored look of a memoir and the former frontman of Skid Row that tells the story of how a choir boy became mega successful as a hair metal god and rode the wave of heavy metal's heyday, then came out on the other side when glam rock went the way of the cassette tape. So if you're into that kind of 80s nostalgia, want to learn a little bit more about life on the wild side, check out 18 in Life on Skid Row by Sebastian Bach. Isn't isn't like glam rock kind of coming back? That's like the New York Dolls and oh yeah, those kinds of bands. Yeah, right? there's I mean, a little bit. There's a little bit of that. I mean, you know, Skid Row being the fact they were from New Jersey, uh, yeah. really had a lot of that. I would say kind of that leftover New York glam appeal, but also a lot of that kind of hard rock that you would find, uh, you know, in the post, uh, the, kind of the transition between hair metal and grunge. Yeah. So it was a, one of those really cool bands that kind of uh, hit that uh, hit that pulse, and like Alice in Chains almost. But I, I you know, so yeah, checked out uh, Skid Row, and uh, some of the bands uh, bandmates are are good friends of mine now. So uh, um, yeah, I'm just gonna give them a shout. So, <laughs> so check out awesome. Skid Row. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what we've been checking out this week. Once again, send us those emails if there's anything you want us to cover or review, or if there's something you want to note, please let us know. Skull Rock Podcast, this week in Disney and pop culture. All right, Dave. Before we get started, let's talk about the box office. And uh, it's great that Guardians of the Galaxy is leading the way. It rockets to $48 million opening day, and they're on target to reach maybe $120 million over the weekend. So, hey, this is the second highest movie opening right behind super mario brothers the movie that i talked about not too shabby you know i i think that's uh fantastic uh this looks like such a great film and i am looking forward to seeing it this week you know me too 
Me too. Uh, a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing the movie. I think it's difficult because James Gunn is in a was in a difficult situation. You know, the fact that you know he's promoting, he's honor bound to promote his final movie for Marvel Studios. Yet he is the president, co-president of DC Studios, a rival studio. And uh, but I think this is this is a great uh, a great film. It looks like a wonderful film, Dave. You and I hopefully will will watch it this week, and we'll come back uh, with our review next week. So it's yeah, be- I'm I'm going to see it in IMAX. Right on. So we also have Evil Dead Rise, which uh, looks to take third. It's released. Uh, it's now crossed fifty million since its opening. Uh, we also have Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, headed for fourth place. I don't know anything about that movie, Dave, but, um, you know, it might be one of those, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it's, it's based on it's a fa- best-selling book. Oh, okay. Uh, by Judy Bloom, I think. Okay, cool. Know? Cool. And, uh, it, it's like, it's one of those books. My, my wife told me it's a book that like every, uh, every kid in high, every girl in high school read that book. You know what? It seems and to me younger, yeah. you know, every, every girl, I guess younger, you know, because it has to do with it has to do with girls getting their first period. Oh, gosh. OK. Yeah. So, yes. Got you. I right. hope we're not censored for saying that. Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, okay. but that's Judy Bloom. Judy Bloom is just known for, you know, decades as one of the premier uh, children's writers or young adult, you know, kind of novelists. So that's yeah. great. Also, um, Love Again. And John Wick round out uh, the the bottom slots there, carrying another three to you know two point six million dollars. So, uh, box office looking strong, Dave. Yeah, and you know, I, I I don't think you mentioned the numbers, but on uh, Super Mario Brothers this past week, it went across five hundred million domestically, <laughs> and it, it's it blew past a billion dollars globally. I mean, that's that's just absolutely phenomenal. Well, this is what happens when you produce top quality entertainment, Dave. There you go. There you go. All right. Speaking of, uh, uh, well, I don't even know how to transition to this one. We have no choice. Disney and Florida are now locked in a high stakes legal fight, Dave. They're fighting it out in court. Disney will likely move to stay the new special district board suit field in a state of court until resolution of its case. The judge assigned the case that is ruled against DeSantis in a similar First Amendment case. It's just getting bloodier and bloodier by the moment. Yeah. So so what's happening here is that Disney filed suit in federal court in Tallahassee uh, and uh, DeSantis's people have filed suit uh, in state court. So what Disney's going to wind up doing is trying to stay or or put on hold, if you will, the state court until the federal uh, federal case is resolved. Yeah. Uh, and so the fight goes on. Uh, it's uh, nauseating at this point. Uh, and I think that this will uh, it already has. And I think it'll continue to damage DeSantis. He thinks it's helping him. I think it's going to hurt him. I think it's hurting him. It's yeah. Just, just come on, man. All right. So here we are dancing with the stars back to ABC after one season at Disney Plus. You know, I thought it was an interesting move to move this number one hit show from ABC to their streaming platform in in, in order to gain subscribers. Basically, here's this content that you love. And I can tell you that my in-laws love Dancing with the Stars and they're like, gosh, now we're going to have to subscribe to Disney Plus just so we can watch this. 
Um, yeah, I, it, it was it was kind of an interesting move. We commented on the show about this, mm-hmm. uh, and it really was a move under Chapek, who was a CEO at the time. And I think it really was just a uh, it was just being done to get more subscribers signed up on Disney Plus. And I and I think what they were doing was sacrificing the ABC network. Yes, they were. And that that was horrible for them because that just ties up so much sponsorship dollars uh, out the window for them. But, you know, we'll see. The fact that it's back means and it's going to be streaming simultaneously on Disney Plus. So they're going to, I guess, do it concurrently. So I guess welcome back. Dancing with the and, Stars, and, and, and it's not just on Disney Plus; it's also on Hulu, isn't it? Uh-huh. Like the next, it's showing the next day on Hulu. It's going to be on Disney Plus. So, so now this is what they should be doing: they're giving the consumer a choice as to where they want to watch their content. One hundred percent, and they should. Yeah. And they should. I also wanted to do a side note because I don't think we talked about his passing. Uh, I think it 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 skipped over us, but just know that. Uh, you know, we have uh, Lynn Goodman, who left the show after last season, had passed away at the age of 78 on April 22nd. Yeah. So uh, I think that missed us, but he was a long time no, judge. We, we, did we I talk think about we it? mentioned it did last we talk week. About it? Yeah, we, okay. we did mention it last oh, week. Oh, it all yeah. runs together, Dave. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. All right. So with the May the 4th drop uh, over there on Disney Plus celebrating Star Wars Day, uh, there are a few things that you need to check out. So one of them I did mention before, which is the Maggie Simpson short Rogue Not Quite One, which is streaming. Of course, I made mention that uh, this is basically a Star Wars spoof, so it's done so brilliantly. So that's a must watch. Also, another thing I did watch I forgot to mention with the kids and they're entranced by this is star Wars young Jedi adventures that debuted on Disney plus, And it basically takes place hundreds of years before the actual star Wars film start. But who happens to be alive during that period is Yoda because his, uh, because Yoda lives to be several hundred years old, 500 years old. So in this case, Yoda is still teaching young Jedi the ways of the force. And it's done in such a really neat way. It's a lot of fun. My kids love it. And I think it's a lot of fun to watch too. So is, uh, it, is it an animated show? It's animated show. It's uh, yeah. you know, the 3d animated uh, style, okay. but it's a uh, very cute, very nicely done. So once again, check out young Jedi adventures debut on Disney plus also star Wars visions, which continues to push the boundary of star Wars storytelling with nine new shorts from around the globe. These are retellings or not retellings, but stylized versions, anime and different types of animation styles that tell stories in the star Wars style. Um, from across, from around the world, Dave, in different studios. So you're going to have uh, different studios from Africa and Japan and and uh, Singapore and different places from around the world doing Star Wars stories that are separate from the Star Wars uh, universe, but uh, all using that kind of uh, Star Wars, I should say, universe. So yeah. uh, it's it's great. I yeah. really like the first season. So please check out that uh, Star Wars Visions season two. Awesome. Ed Sheeran has been in the news a lot lately because of his lawsuit um, and all this other stuff. But which he won, which he won, which is good, which he won, which is good. He got slapped with a uh, copyright infringement lawsuit Um, there. uh, Marvin Gaye's estate uh, claiming that he pinched 
uh, a song. Yes, he. Yes, he was claiming but, that. But uh, I can tell you. Um, yeah, last night, as we record this, last night I I brought my guitars to uh, just a, a function in the neighborhood, and me and a, a few neighbors jammed out, and they're like, "Wow, uh, how do you know all these songs?" And I said, "Because songwriting structure dictates server rules." And if you know your, if you listen to songs, you can know instinctively if you listen to enough songs where you should go, you know, because there's a it, there's a, a rhyme and reason for this. And and Sharon, that's all he did is he followed the rules, and the rules dictate certain certain chords be used. But regardless of the outcome of the lawsuit, I'm glad he won. But we can uh, celebrate Ed Sharon and the sum of it all special over there on Disney Plus. So all episodes of the fourth part docu series uh, dropped on May third. A lot of people checking it out, uh, and this is about the behind the scenes to his private life and the themes that inspire his music. And if you like Ed Sheeran and singer songwriters, you're going to love this show. So please check. Have it out. Have you watched this? Have you? Watched I've this? seen. I've seen the trailer. And okay. I intend to watch it. Um, yeah, I'd like to see this. Yeah, it, it's fascinating. You know, I, I really like the music stuff they put on Disney Plus. And Ed Sheeran is just a very prolific songwriter and singer. So uh, I will definitely be checking this out and we'll report back next week about it. Okay. Awesome. Uh, one of it is Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I, of Filipino descent, love the fact that we're celebrating. Uh, the accomplishments of Asian Americans, especially in the arts. And Jim Lee is one of those people. Not only is he a very nice, nice man, very talented. He just got promoted to president of DC, Dave. You know, I, I love this story because he's an accomplished artist. Yes. He's a comic artist and he's somebody who has rose through the ranks and understands the process inside and out. And now they're elevating him and putting him in charge. I think that's incredible. I love Jim Lee. Uh, His work I was a fan of back when he worked for Marvel. Uh, He was a soul-born, St. Louis-raised comic maven, holds the all-time record for single-issue sales with 1991's X-Men number one. He drew it with inker Scott Williams, while... Chris Claremont wrote it. That is probably the best run of X-Men ever uh, in terms of Marvel comics. And I'm a big fan of his and I've collected his work over time. And now he is at DC heading up that uh, comic books, uh, you know, that comic books, uh, legendary, uh, uh, you know, properties. So his primary role as publisher at DC, where he leads to creative teams. He's also led the efforts to integrate DC's publishing portfolio with its characters and stories across all media, including the studios. So if anyone knows comics, anyone knows DC, Jim Lee is the perfect person for the job. And do you think it was just coincidental that he had uh, the announcement came out uh, uh, now? I think it's coincidental. Uh, it just it was just coincidental. It's I mean, coincidental. He, he he's Asian American, and it's Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Yes, it's just it's just it, it was meant to be, Dave. It was there meant you to go. Be. I like so, that. I like those happy accidents. It really is. Hey, you know one of my favorite bands of all time, Dave, is Aerosmith, and they have a tie to Disney. They have the rock and roller coaster starring Aerosmith, and. Uh, they're probably one of the most prolific rock and roll bands, probably the number one rock and roll band in America, uh, have been for many, many decades, but they just said that they're going to retire. 
they're I don't believe it. I don't believe anybody's retiring. (laughs) Uh, You know, how how many farewell tours have bands done, you know, and they come back and do more, you know, Elton John's farewell tour that he's going on, you know, three year farewell tour around the world. Guess what? He's going to be, you know, he'll, he'll pop up, I think. And do, you know, five shows in Las Vegas or, you know, he'll, he'll do yeah. a thing here and there. You know what I mean? I, I and, and the Rolling Stones. I mean, the Rolling Stones, is, I saw them for their 50th anniversary tour. They're doing a 60th, you know, yeah. they did their 60th last year. All right. I yeah. mean, you know what? There, I think once you have it in your blood. You you cannot you cannot uh, stay away from it. It's in your blood. You are a performer. You're a musician. You love to play and write songs for people. They need a creative outlet. They want the a rush of adrenaline when the fans give them that love on stage. That's what it's all about. I don't. It, for me, I think you know calling it your 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 last tour. Well, look. No, they're not spring chickens. <laughs> okay, so any tour they announce could very well be their last. <laughs> yeah, I mean it could be, but you know, I gotta say, Al John, it, it's like I think when when these performers get on stage, they are being recharged by the energy of the audience. One hundred percent. You know, and when I saw Mick Jagger strutting around the stage at the Staples Center for the fiftieth anniversary tour, it was absolutely amazing to think that this guy is in his. You know, he was in his 70s, you know, and and he still had it. Music keeps you young, Dave. Music I think it young. does. And, and I also think, the you know, being active and constantly out there doing things, you know, I, I look, I can't tell you how many times I've heard of people. They retire and a year, year later, they're dead. You know, you got to keep you got to keep engaged. You got to keep out there and keep doing your thing. Yeah. Well, that's what they're doing, Dave. Aerosmith begins its tour September 2nd in Philly with the 40-date trek of North America, also visiting L.A., Dave, New York, Austin, Seattle, Chicago, Toronto, and Boston. The band was formed back in 1970. They are amazing. You need to catch them live. In Boston, by the way. Yeah, in Boston. They, they, They formed in Boston, and I think they're ending the tour in Boston, right? It's going to be great. The Peace Out Tour with Aerosmith. Get your tickets while you can. This week in regrets, Ellen Saki, Rose, the bar owner, Rose, Rosie, the Rosie, bar owner, Rosie, Rosie, the bar owner yeah. um, from MASH dies at 79. Um, Dave, uh, you know, a lot of people remember MASH, of course, and remember Rosie. Um, she passed away at 79, Dave, after being diagnosed yeah. with pancreatic cancer. So sad. Very sad. And you know something I have to say. You know, the MASH uh, television series, you know, is one of those classic TV shows that you could watch today and enjoy as much as when it was first out. Mm-hmm. Quality writing, quality yeah. acting. Just incredible. It was an incredible show. You know, there's a lot to be said about TV during that time. And they were pushing boundaries. They were telling wonderful stories. MASH is one of them. You could, you know count uh you know any one of those uh any one of those kind of dramedies from all in the family to the jeffersons and those type of shows that kind of dealt with things and, and issues yeah in a very entertaining way but uh saki appeared as the owner of rosie's bar and i didn't know this there was actually a soul uh soul a bar of rosie's uh, over there during the korean war i didn't realize it was actually real so uh that's kind of cool so there you yeah. go 
There you go. So rest uh, in peace. You know, I, I think like shows like All in the Family and the Jeffersons, I don't know if those shows could be made today. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> you couldn't you know? do that today. <laughs> but I mean, that's Norman Lear. Like that's the the wonder of Norman Lear. I think we could yeah. probably uh, talk about that at some point too. But uh, well, there you have it. So but not only that, you know, she's done a bunch of different things as well. Uh, she ended up, uh, I guess, marrying director Burt Medcalf as well. Right. So, uh, and he a, was one of the he was one of the creative uh, drivers of Mash. Yep. There you go. Saki was last seen on Uber Eats commercial, getting escorted across the street by Aaron Donald of the L.A. Rams. So, so there you go. Ellen Saki, rest in peace. And now let's sit back and relax and open up the green room for our special guest. Check out part two of our interview with the legendary Bill Farmer. Let's do it. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, I've been waiting all week to get back to it. And, you know, I have to say the green room is a completely trashed. Bill spent the week <laughs> in our green room. Bill, yeah, I want to welcome you back to the Skull Rock Podcast. Thanks. Thanks. And there goes our audience. They're going nuts for you. Yes. <laughs> so, so Always Bill, there. you know, we left off yeah. last week because we, we spent a lot of time talking about those early years. And I think the, I think it's important for our listeners and, and even, you know, Al John and I to hear about people's early years because they're the formative years. Absolutely. They actually, they actually form what you're going to be doing. It, it kind of puts you on that path, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the, the people you get advice from over the years, the uh, incidents that you do, the, your experiences, as I say, the stand-up comedy that I did uh, was the best training I ever had because it taught me to be fearless, to kind of put myself over on the shelf, out of the way, get out of the way while I'm inhabiting these characters in voiceover. Um, it got over my stage fright. It got, oh, it helped me a, a great deal. Uh, that it's very important. And there's a lot, uh, stage acting in general is very much like voice acting because it's kind of heightened reality. It's, uh, a stage actor might have to be a little louder, loud, bigger, grander gestures. So the people in the back rows can see that's kind of the way animation is. And, uh, there's the same kind of techniques really. And, and it really builds your confidence. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you feel you can feel the confidence when you walk into a recording studio. You're like, I've been here. I've done this. I, you know, I, I only have five people in the booth or 10 people in the booth. I don't have hundreds of people out in an audience that I can't see. Right. And it's always good to let the producer know that, hey, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. It kind of makes them a little bit uh, more relaxed and they're not worrying. Well, what kind of weird guy did I get in here? Is he any good? Is he going to make me look bad? And he can relax and we can concentrate on the script and the characters. I, I mean, I, I will tell you from my own experience of working with you and Tony uh, uh, and Salma, who does Donald Duck, and uh, uh, with uh, Rusi, who used to do uh, Minnie and Penny Wayne, and, Wayne. And, uh, and now uh, Brett Iwan, Brett, mm -hmm. Brett doing the Mickey. Uh, and, and by the way, we've had Brett on the show and we've had Tony on the show. So I kind of feel like you're the trifecta. You, you've made the trifecta for us, you know? 
know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I know from personal experience that working with voice actors, you know, whether it's it's you or Tony or Brett or uh, Jim Cummings, who does Winnie the Pooh and, and Tigger, um, you guys inhabit those characters so much that I I always relied on you. You know, when we were recording a script, I mean, you yeah. are goofy to me. So, so for me, when you did the take, I'd go, yeah, it sounds really good. Uh, Bill, how, <laughs> how do you like that, Bill? I mean, it sounds like goofy to me and, and, and the inflections were in the right place. And, you know, and, and we might do two or three takes, but, yeah. but it was always for coverage. And it usually is whatever the situation is. I mean, uh, you know, then you have to, from the director, find out, okay, how far away am I from from Mickey? And uh, like if I'm standing right next to him, gosh, Mick, let's get out of here. Um, but if he's 10 feet away, hey, Mick, let's get out of here. If he's 30 feet away, hey, Mickey, let's get out of here. You know, right. uh, change the acting or the situation. If the room's on fire, you'd say it different than if they're just going outside to get some fresh air. Sure. Uh, all of those little things have to be kind of painted by the producer and the director. And unless you have something to actually watch, which most of the time we don't, we just have a piece of paper with a script on it. Really, I I, I kind of remember us showing you boards. We uh, uh, quite and, often. That's a, that's a luxury. That's yeah. not. We don't get that too often. Yeah. No. I. I. But I was always. I always felt like I wanted you guys to have as much information as possible. So if if we had, you know, uh, the the boards, you know, on eleven by seventeen sheets, you know, yeah. just that we could flip through and just talk about what the show was going to be. Oh, all of that is so important, and unfortunately, we don't get it all that uh, often. Uh, when we did uh, Goof Troop, they were still writing some of the scripts when we were starting to record it. I think so. Wow, <laughs> that, 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 last that, page. <laughs> that's kind of sweating it, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So we never had a rehearsal. We never had a run through. We just went in there and just boom, did it. Now, do you, I, I know it's usually a scheduling thing, but do you often? Uh, work with some of your colleagues like uh, Tony and Brett in the same booth or is everybody being recorded separately now? Yeah, it's pretty much separately uh, with the advent of things like Pro Tools and nonlinear editing on a computer. Um, the old tape recording days, yes, we were in the studio together and we really did it like a radio play. But since uh, the advent of this nonlinear editing, then it doesn't matter really. Uh, if I'm available on a Tuesday afternoon, I go in and do my lines then. And let's say Brett is doing, saying he needs to come in on Wednesday. In the old days, we had to wait till everybody could be in the studio at the same time. Right. Well, it's much easier for production if, okay, Bill's coming in at two and Tony's at three and we just do our lines separately solo and then they're edited together quite easily and um, uh, do you do you have a preference do you do you enjoy oh, doing the radio play i love it when there's the actors that you can bounce stuff off of because if i hear brett as mickey saying something one way i can respond in real time yeah. Because if he's not there, sometimes I'll ask for a playback if he was like in there yesterday. And I say, can you play back what he said so I can respond to that? 
but sometimes I'm the first one that records, so I'm kind of setting the ground, uh, setting the level for it, uh, the, uh, the the show, and then people have to key off of me. But it's a little tougher if you're doing it first yeah. without the playback from someone else. Uh, just for our audience, uh, for our listeners, what, what's the general length of time that you can do the voice? I mean, do your voice gets fatigued at some point, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, that's why I think Screen Actors Guild uh, limits sessions to four hours. And four hours is pretty good. You can get pretty tired depending on the voice, too, and yeah. the character. If I was if I was doing a deep kind of a Wolfman Jack kind of voice, I could do that for about five minutes and then I'd start feeling it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's goofy. I can do him all day. You know, I can yeah. do it. Four hours doesn't bother me anymore with that because it's muscles. You know, it's like getting in shape. Uh, as long as you're in shape, you can do it longer. If you don't record for a week or two, yeah, you start getting a little flabby around the vocal cords there and it, uh, you can get tired out a little bit quicker. Yeah. I, I know, I know have having known t- uh, Tony and Selma who yeah. does the voice of Donald duck. I know that's a, a harder voice yes. uh, yeah. for him to be able to do for a long period of, uh, of time. Yeah. Uh, because where, there's a lot of muscle tension in the stomach and everything to force that air out to, you know, do that. It's not as bad for, uh, for goofy. Yeah. Or, or Mickey. Yeah. And, yeah. but Donald and, and, uh, and Mickey are what I call kind of, uh, they're not trick voices, but they are, it's a, it's a tone voice. In other words, if you do a falsetto, you're kind of up there in the Mickey mouse range right there. Right. So it's just a falsetto. I'm doing that with my vocal cords. Goofy is much more of a cadence character. Gorse, there's lots of ups and downs. And he's got a music to his a voice. Yeah. That So that's a little different kind of a voice. And I can do that for longer. But it took me a long time to actually learn that music that that character has. And from that time on, yeah, whatever I say sounds like Goofy. Once I learned the the soul of the character as it were yeah yeah exactly and, and uh i i'm curious when did you start doing pluto you didn't start doing them right away did you i actually did really uh, i didn't know that job my first job was called uh, mickey's dog on valentine and uh i was booked to do uh goofy and as I remember that there, that was where they had a mashup of like songs, modern songs with like, uh, it was like MTV, a uh, music video that they would make. And uh, I can remember what I said, actually. Um, I just had to loop an old Goofy cartoon and to loop is to replace dialogue. And it was Goofy just kind of mouthing something. And I had to say, gosh, I put my foot on the gas and I'm out of here quick. And that was all I had to do. But um, and then later on, there was a little Pluto. And I think they just asked me, um, can you just do a quick little bark for Pluto here? It was like, and I did that. (laughs) And then it became known that, um, you know, several people did Pluto in those days. Uh, Jimmy McDonald, who did Mickey. Yeah. uh, After Walt. And uh, Pinto Kolvig had done Pluto in quite a few cartoons. So there was a history for that. And I just kind of did this, you know, halfway audition on the set and ah, that'll work. You know, <laughs> it was as simple as that. and now 36 years, I'm still doing it. 
Yeah, we're we're pulling the curtain back on these sophisticated productions. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's oh yeah, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, several characters I've come up with on the spot on the and still to this day, the Screen Actors Guild lets you do three voices for the same price. So if I'm doing a cartoon and they have, okay, you're the hot dog vendor too, and you're the talking tree or whatever an incidental character might be. And I've got to come up with a voice right on that, like like the hot dog vendor it might be a New York guy. Okay, we got your hot dogs right here. You know, and you just come up with something. That'll work. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always find that. I, I, you know, to me, the doing the voice recording was always just fun. You know, uh, and, and especially doing it with, with uh, you know, professionals like yourself and Tony and Brett and, you know, Jim. It was always fun going into the uh, studio because, uh, again, as I said earlier, you guys embody the characters so much so that, you know, for me on the projects I've worked on, I oftentimes would have discussions with the uh, voice talent about uh dialogue yeah know? and and i can remember on some winnie the pooh projects i did with jim it, we we had a conversation and he would say well you know i think you know tigger would probably go more like this you know right. and say something more like this and i'm like jim you are tigger i'm going with yeah. that you know what i mean so we'd make we'd make an adjustment to the script yeah and when you just kind of know the character that well it just kind of comes to you uh so when I do a cartoon now, if there's a line that I don't feel is quite goofy enough, I'll goofyize it. I'll do it at least one take with the way I would do it. And I try and honor the writer by doing it the way they wrote it. Sure. Sometimes if I feel like, okay, I think it'd be better if I did it this way, I'll do it that way. And quite often they say, yeah, that does sound better. Let's use that. Great. And you don't really get pushback from that, do you? No. Not at yeah, all. I mean, yeah. Helping out the director is uh, always a, a, a fun thing to do. And sure. Just trying to make it a better product. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm curious uh, when you're doing uh, uh, the character, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, these guys just do it for the cartoons. But with Disney, there are so many things. I mean, there, oh, yeah. there, there's uh, park announcements. There's commercials. There's, I mean, the, the list. Yeah, the list is endless, right? I mean, yeah. do, does that get broken down for you, do, or is it just, hey, we got a recording session for you? Come in. Uh, are, are you doing? You know, uh, does it make a difference whether you're doing a uh, an animated uh, program? A little bit, yes. If it's a, a toy, for example, Disney on Ice. I've done 32 or three of those. The, yeah. where the characters are, you know, out on the, the ice hockey place at uh, downtown or something, these shows. And we voice that. I kind of change the voice a little bit, and I use what I call my arena voice. Because when you hear in a, it's really echoey in there. Yeah. So where I might say, howdy, Mick, what's going on? You know, regular I will slow it down and howdy, Mick, what's going on? You articulate a little bit more of the words so that people can hear through the echoiness of that uh, environment. Yeah. And so, yeah, different things require 
uh, a little bit different take on the character, and it helps to know what it is. A talking toy, especially in the early days where the acoustics weren't that good, I would over-articulate. And uh, now they're much better, and the electronics is a lot better. But, uh, um, yeah, you change it around to fit the project. And, and uh, you know, speaking of Disney on Ice, I actually did a bunch of work with those folks uh, over the years. Uh, I, I'm curious, uh, really, it's for our, our listeners' sake, but you recorded all your dialogue, and then the skater who's in the goofy costume right. is essentially visually acting to, nodding his head and everything to your dialogue, right? As uh, Yeah, and they do that at, of course, the parades at Disneyland and on the floats and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, they have the hard job. They're doing that out there in 102-degree weather <laughs> at a parade where I have to get it right once in a studio. Yeah. And so, yes, I got the better deal in that. <laughs> oh, I'd say so. Have you ever gone in a costume? I have put the head on a couple of times just to kind of see what it was like. And it's, um, I don't want to give away secrets, but you have to see it, look through Goofy's mouth, basically. And it's kind of tunnel vision. You can't really see to the side with the way that, uh, you know, head is built. And I'm amazed at that those guys can dance in these costumes and move around the way they do. And uh, wow. I, I did it once. You did? I did it once because, you know, early in my career, we had finished um, The Great Mouse Detective. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a program inside Disney called Disney Way One. I don't even know if they still have it or anything, but it was a three-day tour of the company. Okay. And, uh, And it culminated down at Disneyland behind the scenes, and they had precast us based on our size and, you know, height and all of that kind of stuff. And they put us in uh, character costumes and put us into the park. I've I've heard of that. I have never done that. Yeah. So <laughs> I was I was actually Winnie the Pooh, and it was the okay. Winnie the Pooh with the honeypot on his head, and my head was in the honeypot. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was I was there. looking out through the 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 word honey. Uh huh. You know, because there was a sort of a black scrim behind it. And I could see out that way, but you're right. You can't, can't really have peripheral vision. Right. You know, and then I inside, I had a cord that I could pull up and down that made his ears wiggle, (laughs) you know, and, and, but his, his arms were just hanging. Right. And you had to be careful because if you turn too quickly, they kind of lift it up and you'd smack some kid and knock him on his butt. (laughs) But, but I was put out, I was put out into an area of the park with, with, you know, a, a, a chaperone, obviously, you know, a cast member chaperone. And I was put out in the park for, you know, like 10, 15 minutes. And I got to tell you, it gets hot in those things. I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. You know, if you're dancing around and you're using any oh my physical gosh. activity and it's like 100 degrees. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, it's just crazy. I I have to remember when the show drops, uh, I'll try and put the picture uh, uh, up on my Facebook page uh, with the costume. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm sorry I digressed about it, but I, oh. I, I was just curious, uh, you know, but you get to go on a lot of fabulous Disney trips. 
Oh yes, yeah. And, and and can you talk a little bit about that? Because uh, I know uh, you go and you, you talk, you you speak to you know cruise line guests and things like that, right? Oh yes, I've been on about thirteen, I think, Disney cruises thus far. I have two upcoming ones, one in August or September, I believe. And I'll be performing on that, and we uh, do shows. And uh, I, you know, was just with Brett last weekend, I think it was, or two weekends ago, down at the um, Club Thirty Three Five Year Anniversary at Walt Disney World. I saw a picture of you on Facebook with uh, with Brett. Yes, and we were up on stage, and the Muppets were there doing a. They came on after us, and we had a live audience of every band. They, we talked about our careers and what we, you know, those kind of things. And though, yeah, I get to go to Disneyland quite a bit in the old days when like uh, animal kingdom opened or there would be a new attraction at Epcot or something, we would go to do radio interviews. And we had a couple of times, this was back with Wayne and Rusi and Tony, and we would go and do radio interviews from one table to the next. And we did one week. I remember at the height of that was probably 300 radio interviews Wow! in about five days. And and would you be doing it in the character voice? Yes, I would. Okay. So that they wanted you to specifically be the characters talking about whatever the new thing was. And I know that uh, people were the guys doing uh, the DJs would say, "Okay, why am I talking to to Mickey and and Goo? and they'd hear us and they, oh, okay, it works great on radio." Yeah, yeah. It really did. And, and um, I guess the the uh, I uh, you know, I do want to tell tell our listeners that you and I were on a cruise together once. Yes, we were. Yeah. And, and we went to Castaway Key and we commandeered a couple of bicycles and we rode bikes uh, together around the island. Yeah, they they would uh, rent you bikes. And we went on a little uh, biking tour of the island, which is a fascinating island. The only thing on the island, I think, when Disney got it was a runway. A plane could land there. And so a big, long runway. And that's the only thing on the island that I think was there when they got the island. Yeah. And uh, it's just, uh, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful island and they, they fixed it up so great. And as I understand it, and I didn't know this, that they actually, the power from the, for the island is actually like a big extension cord that goes to the power generating on the ship. The ship runs all the stuff that's on the island when it's parked there. Is that right? I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't wow. know relatively recently. Wow. And so, yeah, they, they land there in the morning. You get off. You go to the beaches. You snorkel. You hang out um, or go on a bike ride or whatever. It's just it's delightful. I love doing that. And well, I, I enjoyed riding around the uh, island with you on those bikes. Uh, it was yeah. a fun. It was a fun afternoon. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I want to ask you about uh, some of the other things you do voice wise. So you you talk about you did all these radio interviews with with you as Goofy. um, But do you do anything with the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And this is something uh, this is something all the voice actors are engaged in, aren't they? For Uh, the most part. I think a lot of them do that, and it's totally voluntary. But once in a while, I'll get a call that there was, is a child that would like to talk to Goofy and uh, that might be in a hospital. And a couple of stories come to mind that have really told me about the the power these characters have. 
I was down at Walt Disney World at the 10th anniversary, uh, 10th annual induction of the Television Hall of Fame. And there's a big party up front. And I got to talk with Walter Cronkite and stuff. And I got introduced to uh, Muhammad Ali. Wow. And uh, I told him what I did. And he said, do you talk to kids in hospitals? And I told him that I did. He said, man, then you're my hero and shook my hand. And that meant so much to me. And then later on, Mickey Wayne Allwine got a call from a little girl's mother and she had leukemia and she wanted to talk to Mickey. So we were all there. So we did this call and um, the girl's attitude was very bad. She's kind of given up in a way and wasn't willingly doing chemotherapy and all of that. And uh, Wayne says, you know, as in, in his Mickey voice, you know, you know, when Pluto, he um, uh, feels bad, he takes his medicine and he feels a lot better. Right, Pluto? And I, you know, I bark. And um, just from that, about two or three months later, they got a letter from that mother that the child's entire outlook changed. She willingly took the chemotherapy. She went into remission from the leukemia. And that was due to the power of Mickey and Donald and Goofy and all of these characters. They have this power that is much more beyond what I think of when I do this, but I've never forgot that. And so I always treat these characters with reverence because they do have a power beyond what I give them or anyone gives them the animated. There's something special about them. And especially the children. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, so the, they're real. they're still they're still believing, right? right. They, they still believe, and that belief can manifest itself in real life changing uh, behaviors. Like, uh, yeah, willingly do your uh, chemotherapy, and that attitude change yeah. can be so helpful. And, and that's a big part of healing too: is attitude. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it really yeah. is. And so do you do that? Uh, is it just Make-A-Wish or are there other organizations? Well, anyone that really, uh, any organization, Famous Phone Friends is another one where we've done uh, a, a lot of those over the years. Um, yeah, anytime that any uh, child wants to talk to Goofy, I'll, I'll certainly do that. And, uh, uh, you know, through an organization like that. So I'm always available and whenever someone wants to do that. I yeah, don't get we, a chance to do it too often, but, you know. We had a guest on, uh, I think last year, uh, Heidi, uh, who was a make a wish, uh, a mother. She was, she was, her, her, her son was a recipient of a make a wish that was Disney related. And so, right. you know, she was talking the praises and, and it's something that, that Disney doesn't really talk about, you know? Yeah, it's understandable that they don't, you know, you don't, I think it would be kind of crass for a company to be out there going, Hey, yeah, we're, we're right doing all this that, stuff yeah. with make a wish, but they do an enormous amount of stuff. And so I'm, I always sing their praises because behind the scenes they're they're I think one of the largest uh, uh, or the, the most number of wishes are really Disney related. Right. You right. Know? I mean, and, you know, kids, sick kids going to Disney world to or Disneyland, you know, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that's, I think it's fantastic that you guys do that kind of stuff. Oh, thanks. It's a, it's a joy to do it because, you know, when you, it can be a lonely kind of existence in a way to do a cartoon because you're in a booth 
or here right now and COVID, I'm at my home studio and I do it here. Um, <clears throat> and you don't get that sense of how the audience reacts. Only when I did it like a feature film, like a goofy movie, I got to see that with a real audience. And that was delightful because you hear people responding to your acting and, and what's going on on the screen. And that's a, such a rare thing. We don't get to do that very often that that's, that's quite memorable for me and important. I think when you do those, those panels where you come out and you talk to your fans and you do table reads and you read scripts yes. in their voice, uh, fans like myself, we love it because we get to hear you or you get to do something out like if you were if Goofy were to do Shakespeare, you could probably go ahead and, and read. Less from- or Yorick. I knew him pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because you get to do something that's outside of the realm that you wouldn't do, but you get to put your twist on it, which is comedic it's fun you get to see the reaction immediately from everybody so when you do those conventions i you know the fans absolutely love it yeah that's really the closest i get to stand up anymore doing those kind of uh uh panel discussions at comic cons and things mm-hmm. and, and it's you know you mentioned the goofy movie that that's really got like a cult following Absolutely. More than any other thing I've ever done. And someone asked me, how many times have I done Goofy or worked for the company? And the closest I can figure is somewhere between three and 4,000 shows Okay, um, is a good guess. And But a, a Goofy movie is probably number one on what fans talk about. There's so many people that say, you know, I couldn't talk to my dad and that movie uh, became our thing and we watched it together and it kind of brought us together. So thanks for my childhood. I get that quite a bit. And, and so that that's because of Goofy and Max. Yeah. Max the, the, is the, son and the it's son. a father son picture and yeah. has that longevity. It's a cult favorite. And uh, we did a, um, a table read actually in front of a live audience at the D 23 convention a few years, Don Hahn hosted it and was yeah. the moderator and um, we had Powerline, Tevin Campbell. He came out and sang Eye to Eye. Me and Jason Marsden sang The Open Road. And it was like being one of the Beatles. I mean, the crowd was so into that, so much. And it was like waiting room only out in the hall. And it was like, my gosh, just the the love that people have for that movie just blew me away. Yeah, You mentioned singing. Uh, how difficult is it for you to sing? It's not that bad. I I can I can hold a tune, but it's not. Uh, and I can sing pretty well now in in Goofy. Uh, and I've done probably twenty to thirty albums over the last thirty five years. Wow. Um, we had one that came out earlier this year. It was called the Mouse Pack, and it was like the Rat Pack, but the Mouse Pack. And so uh-huh. Rhett's singing a song. I'm singing. Uh, Ain't that a kick in the head? And some other friendship and some other songs. And uh, it was delightful. It was a lot of fun. And on our TV shows, Mickey's Fun House, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, there are always little, little short little songs. So we've done a lot of that over the years. And so you feel comfortable doing yeah. it now. Yeah. yeah, it's not not hard. Yeah, because I, I goofy to sing well. So <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that's true. But I also know that there's some voice artists who just can't sing. Yeah, I can I can hold a tune and uh, it does sound yeah it, I I can do it okay you know not great but you but know, it's goofy it's goofy it right goofy. yes yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite uh, holiday tracks Twelve Days of Christmas and Goofy comes in you know doing his lines it's just wonderful 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that particular album. There's several albums we did uh, for Christmas ones. And one was, uh, we did it all ensemble. And that was with late Alan Young, who played uh, Scrooge McDuck. And I had uh, a song called uh, I'd Like to Have an Elephant for Christmas. Wonderful. Uh, that that was a fun album to do. Yeah, yeah, they're they're great to do, especially when I get to do it with my friends live in a room. Awesome. That's, that's uh, so another great. one. We had uh, one called uh, Let's Go Fly a Kite from Mary Poppins. Mickey and I did Wayne Allwine. Last thing I recorded with him, or one of the last things, and I got to play it for Richard Sherman oh. on one of the cruise ships. And he just, oh, would you send me that? Oh, my God. He thought that was so great. And Mickey and Goofy singing Let's Go Fly a Kite. So <laughs> he gets a pretty good response once in a while. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what haven't you done with Goofy that you'd like to do? Oh gosh. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. There's, uh, a lot of ideas, you know, some more goofy movies would be good. Uh, I always love doing, uh, the television specials. Uh, we had the kind of the Mickey mouse shorts style, which is a different kind of animation, but they're very funny uh, uh, scripts and, and it's kind of a different take on Goofy. It's more of a, uh, dippy dog is what Goofy was originally called back in yeah. 1932. It's more of that style. It's a little more raucous going back to the 1930s style of Goofy. Um, but it's really funny just what people come up with. It's always delightful. Uh, what I'd like to see him do just continue to do what he's doing. Really? <laughs> it's so much fun. And uh, every new script is, is you know, a new adventure. Uh, how did how did COVID impact you? Did it did it impact you right away uh, or, you know, uh, you because animation did really well during COVID. A lot of yeah. people were working. So I'm imagining you were working, but you just had to set up a home studio. Yes. Um, I had actually I have a show on Disney Plus called It's a Dog's Life with Bill Farmer, and it's me because I love dogs. And this is a live action show where we went around and found out about different jobs that have amazing jobs. And uh, we recorded um, 20, 20 segments and 10 episodes in five months in uh, 2019 into about February of 2020. And our last uh, shows were in Hawaii uh, they had a dog that keeps snakes out of Hawaii by going around to every car, every piece of mail that comes into Hawaii. These dogs smell, and if there's like a hitchhiking snake in a wheel well of a car, they'll find it. Um, but they were just starting to uh, deny access. They wouldn't let planes from China fly in because right. of this new kind of flu that we heard about. And then by the time we got back uh, a couple of weeks later, we had done, that was our final episode. Yeah. Then COVID hit and boom, then it's right here. I right in the room I'm in now is where I record with my son, who's an audio engineer. And he just runs my sessions here at the house. It's via zoom, just like we're doing. And we record onto our computer here, send them the files and works out great. And so uh, when you were doing Zoom, uh, you were able to see the director, the producer, exactly. you could co co converse with them and you could run through your lines and, yeah. and get instant feedback from them. Exactly. It's no different than really going into a studio and just looking at the director through a plate of glass. 
Now I'm just looking on a monitor. It's really no different. And, and, and since uh, since COVID, uh, since I guess it would be March of 2020, uh, do you continue to record at home now? Or Quite often. I got pretty used to it. I don't have to go, you know, get in my car and go to the studio. Yeah. Still do when my son's not available, I'll go to the studio, but I'm still looking at Kelly Ward, our director, uh, on a monitor. So it's really no difference. If right. my son's available, I let him run the sessions here at the house. If he's not available, I'll go to the studio and uh, just record it kind of the way I used to. But it's really about the same. And are you doing exclusively just Goofy and Pluto now, or oh, are no, no, no. are you still doing voiceover for commercials or absolutely you know, batteries I, I not included? Yeah, I, I've I've done movies here. Uh, I've done a lot of movies over the years for Disney and other studios. Um, Illuminations, I did like uh, the Lorax, the Grinch. Uh, sing a secret life of pets, as well as going back to Beauty and the Beast and all of the Disney glades, uh, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Monsters Inc., Bugs Life, stuff like that. Um, even for Warner Brothers, I've done Bugs and Daffy yeah. and Foghorn and Sylvester and Yosemite Sam over the wow. years. Wow, wow. Um, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you about that, Bill, because you know, Mel Blank is such a legendary figure i don't know if you've ever met him before you kind of took over the reins of some of those characters like foghorn leghorn or yosemite sam uh, but it, i mean that that's quite an interesting thing that you you had to step into those shoes as well i'm sure well you know i grew up of course listening listening to mel blank and he was the only voice actor that we ever saw his credit his name oh mel blank who's that guy and uh i got to meet him shortly before he passed away and um but I didn't take over the roles like I did with Goofy because Warner Brothers would different directors would use different actors. They would recast them quite a bit. So I only really did it like in the movie Space Jam and a few video games and things. So not near like I do with uh, with with Goofy and Pluto because I'm the only voice for those. Right. And the consistency, I think, is important. But um, I, I did do a lot of those. We had a show for Disney called uh, uh, Amphibia, which we did three seasons with, and I play a character named Hot Pop on that. We did the 7D, which is the Seven Dwarves a, a series, uh, and I played Doc on that. Of the traditional dwarves, I'm sleepy when they need that. Um, and I've done about 30 to 40 different characters on Mickey and the Roadster Racers, in addition to Goofy and Pluto. That's wow. when they say, oh, we need the mayor. Okay, what's the mayor like? And so I, I'm that character and a lot of incidental characters as well. Wow. I, I mean, just listening to that list of, of characters, I sit there and go, you must be working every single day. No, I wish I was, but usually every single week at least. So, you know, I've got <laughs> stuff tomorrow to do and uh, keeps me going. But and, and do you have a preference uh, to, I, I mean, I know you love doing Goofy and Pluto, but do you have a preference to other things that kind of, you know, I, I don't know, stretch your voice or, or is just yeah. a, a different thing for you? Usually if, uh, and I've done even a couple of independent live action films that I wanted to be in because, uh, well, I did a, a, a thing called Desert Shadows. A friend of mine in Reno was putting this together and he needed a, 
someone asked me if I'd be in it. And I said, well, it's a monster movie. And I've always liked horror movies too. So I said, I want to do it if I can get killed by the monster. <laughs> um, so I do, I get killed. I'm a, I'm a really crummy cop and uh, I get killed by the monster. Um, and also I've been doing other things. I'm the, uh, Honorary chairman of the board of the Cordillera Film Festival in Reno. So I'll go up there from time to time. And there's a big event in the summer where people from all over submit their films. Over 30 some percent are Oscar contenders. Uh, I mean, it's good quality. The, the, the filmmakers of today are just as good as anything I've ever seen in Hollywood. Yeah. It's amazing. And so, yes, I'm keeping busy. And my friends always say, well, you're old enough now to retire. Why don't you retire? And I say, why would I give up this job? It's way too much fun. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you about that because, I, I mean, y- y- there's no reason for you to to retire, right? Because it's not physically taxing on your body. You're doing something you love. Why would you stop doing it? Right. I mean, you gotta, you know, I think most people retire because they're sick of their job or they don't want to do it anymore. And they want to have more free time. Well, my job is doing one of the most beloved characters in the world on TV and doing comic cons and traveling and, you know, I was in England in December and I'm going to be, you know, going on Castaway Key later this year. Yeah. I mean, that's that. Why would you turn that down? <laughs> no, I, I, exactly. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I always tell people retirement's not in my vocabulary because right. if you love what you're doing, just keep doing it. You know, yeah, it's, I, it's a paid hobby. It's what I would want to do if I wasn't working. I, I just saw a piece, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was the Wall Street Journal or it was on a financial website, the oldest working physician, he's 102. Wow. Right. Wow. Oldest working physician in the world. He's 102 <clears throat> years old. And he gave it, he gave his advice. He, he said there was five things. I can't remember all of them, but the first <laughs> one on it was don't retire. Right. That, that was exactly. the fir- the top of his list was don't retire, you know, <laughs> for having a long yeah. life. <laughs> I was figuring, you know, if you it's that old thing, uh, use it or lose it. Well, but, I better keep using it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it keeps you sharp. Right. You're working with interesting people. Right. And uh, and you're having fun. I mean, what more do you need? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you can uh, kind of I'm doing what I love. so. There's nothing I think I would rather do. Yeah. So just happy when I get a chance to do it. And, and what's in the future for you right now? Well, I mean, I, I, you're obviously going to continue doing Goofy and mm-hmm. uh, Pluto, uh, but uh, do, you, do you have any other projects that you, you want to give us a scoop on? Well, uh, I've been, uh, I pitched a few things to Disney and uh yeah. Nothing's hit like our dog show. We were very fortunate and we got that sold the first time we pitched it to Disney. And that's rarely happens. We haven't had as much luck with some other ideas, but I'm going to write some more stuff and I'd like to produce a little bit more. And, you know, we've, uh, we've done uh, many more uh, goofy and Pluto stuff. I I guess I, I don't have a title or anything. It didn't have a title. We did a Halloween special that'll be coming out 
We're doing Mickey Mickey's Fun House. That's a series that's ongoing, and I've, yeah. I've got one I think later this week that I'll be recording here. And um, then next, actually this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to be in Huntsville, Alabama, at a Comic Con there. Huntsville, Chinese- that's Rocket City. Yes, it is Rocket City, <laughs> Alabama. My gosh, that's fantastic! I'm looking forward to it. So I've got several of those planned throughout the year. So, you know, that's what's kind of coming up. And then who knows what Disney's going to throw at me or now, anyone else. Now, your, your lovely wife, Jennifer, uh, yes. who I love, uh, uh, just as friends, uh, is, <laughs> uh, do you guys work together? Have you worked well, together? She was an executive producer with me on It's a Dog's Life, but she has her own uh, a floral business. Okay. Her hobby was always flower decorating everything. She's turned it into a little business. And again, she's doing what she loves. She loves, that's what she's doing right now is delivering flowers to someone. And uh, yeah, so we are doing some stuff together and she's kind of keeps my, my uh, calendar and she's much better at that and Instagram and that kind of thing, which I'm not that keen on. Uh, I, I have my son do that because, you know, I got to, how do I turn on this phone? You know, that. <laughs> <laughs> do you like working with Jennifer? Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. that keeps the relationship going and just, you know, yeah, if you can work with someone that you're married to and you have a common interest and you like working together. Yeah. You know, that's all she wrote there. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to break into voice business? Because I know you probably get people approaching you all the time about it, but I can tell you, I get messages from people yeah. saying, you know, how do I get into you know voiceover? Well, we have actually here and my son, who's an audio engineer, as I mentioned, we have a, a little company called Tune House, T-O-O-N-H-O-U-S-E. And uh, we do demos for actors. And we've done that. I've done that from since my radio production days back in radio from the old reel to reel editing days. Now we record students and we I'll give them lessons. I'll teach. And uh, the advice I give them is uh, a line that I came up with. I said, you can never ensure success, but you can always ensure failure by not trying, by not trying your best. So continue to do it. Follow what you love. Don't get into show business because you want the the money or whatever. Do it because you have to do it. Right. Because it's a passion and that it's fun, irregardless of the money, irregardless of that. You've got to do it. That's the kind of person that should get into this this, uh, business. And just, yeah, go for it. You can do a lot more than you think you can. How do you like teaching? I do like it because I have to express what I do. And I've I've learned kind of some shortcuts that I use in creating voices by teaching others how I do it. I never really thought about how I did it uh-huh. or had to explain it to someone. But when I did, oh, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Or I'll give myself, I'll hear me mention something to someone, I should do that more, you know, I'll kind of have to follow my own ideas. Now, would you, you do like a one-off class or do you do like a six week meet for two hours each week kind of thing? 
generally it's uh, uh, during COVID, especially Zoom meetings. Yeah, where they are. If they want to come out to Hollywood, I'll talk with them and and see if it's a good match for them. And I always tell them to get rich parents because they might need it when they get go. <laughs> getting going. And, um, uh, I can do it via zoom. I'll have people into the studio and then we have people come over when they're ready to do their demo. Uh, and we write the uh, scripts for them, whether they want to do an animation, a commercial, a, a video game demo, uh, music demos. We, we do it all and, uh, just work with them on that so that it's kind of a custom fit kind of thing rather sure. than I don't do too many of the the big groups. I've done those, but I like it one on one because everybody's different and they right. have different needs. Yeah, and, and by doing one on one, you could uh, essentially the person walks away with a demo tape. It could if they want to go that they might just want to learn and and maybe they're not ready. And I'll tell them I think you need to wait or work on this. But if I do it individually, I can see their strengths and weaknesses and I can give some recommendations on, you know, what you need to work on is this or, uh, you know, um, yeah, you're ready for this. You should do your commercial demo first. Do you have an agent and lead them through the steps that you really need to to do when you're getting uh, into voiceover? Do do, do uh, uh, in, in the voiceover world, do you have to have an agent? Do you have an agent? Not as much as you used to. There's a lot of non-union uh, work out there. Uh-huh. In fact, the country, about 70% of the voiceover business is non-union. Uh-huh. You can start a studio in you know, your little town in Nebraska and put yourself out there online, and but you have to become your own agent. You have to negotiate your own fees, that kind of thing, whereas here in Hollywood and large companies like Disney are – SAG signatories and they'll use Screen Actors Guild actors, you know. Right. And uh, that's what I am and have always been. So, yeah. And that's not because I get my pension, I get my health care things through SAG as well. And that's sure. that's sure. a nice that, that is a good thing, actually, because, uh, you know, being in the entertainment business is sort of nomadic. You're going from job to job to job. You're not, as you said, and I think a lot of people are probably surprised the fact that you're not a Disney employee. Yeah, I'm just uh independent contractor all the way. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, Bill, this has been such a great conversation with you. I, I, I really love talking with you. It's always a joy, uh, when we, when we've gotten together in the past, whether it was on a cruise ship or pedaling our bikes around castaway. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I have to say it was just such a, a pleasure having you on the show for two weeks in a row. Yes. There you go. The the audience you, is going the, the audience goes <laughs> wild, you know? Uh but I I absolutely look forward to having you back on the show at some point in the future. Uh you know, and I I I said this to Tony and I said this to to Brett when they were on the show. I'd love to get the three of you guys on to do a radio play. Maybe that, it's, oh, maybe, maybe it's at the holidays or something. We do so. We'll we'll pick yeah. some some classic piece of literature and we'll come up with some sort of little like five minute routine or something. You know that we we could do uh, that great. you guys I could do. That. I'm I would just be here as the ringmaster. <laughs> that's all with Al John. Yeah. You know, but I think it would be a lot of fun. 
it would be fun. And it's great to getting to see you again. It's even though it's on the zoom right here, uh, but I do get to see you and uh, that's kind of the way things go right now, but we need to get together on castaway key and go for another bike ride. I, I would like to do that at some point and please give my best to Jennifer. And I know Al John wants to jump in one last thing, Bill, I have to say, thank you for your, you know, inspiring generations of, of children like myself and my children because your Goofy is just the coolest character. I mean, start with a Goofy movie for me, but, you know, with our kids, they have you on constant rotation here at the house, and it's great to see the joy anytime they see Goofy in the park to know that's Bill's voice. You've lent, you know, your your life to that uh, character, and you've brought joy to so many millions and millions of, of kids and adults, uh, you know, so thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, he's a pretty good uh, character to hang around with. That's one thing we didn't talk about that. Yeah, Goofy's famous. I'm not, but I get to hang around with him. So I get to share that. Fame a little bit. Love it. <laughs> well, we love your generosity, my friend. And I look forward to seeing you again. Give my best to Jennifer. And uh, I will uh, let you guys know when the show uh, drops live. I'll be looking forward to that. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. And we're clear. Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. You know what I love about about our guest, Bill Farmer, is that you give him a, a topic or a discussion, and he'll just go really in-depth and talk to you about it. And... Um, I love it when guests do that because they really take you to diff- different places and tell you about the different nooks and crannies of their career that I absolutely love. It's, it's good stuff. Oh no, it's really terrific. And I have to say, I love it when we have guests that are very talkative, you know, that really sort of, you know, I, I, I don't think our listeners want to hear us, you know, I, I, our listeners want to hear our guests, you know, yeah. and just prompting them with questions here and there is really all we need to do and let them, let them go. Uh, and Bill is such, Bill's such a nice guy. His wife, Jennifer is terrific. I, I mean, it's just a joy uh, having had him on the show for two weeks in a row and we are going to have him back and I'm working on something for later this year, which I think will be a big surprise for our listeners. Mm, I can't wait, Dave. I'm teasing it. How's that? man? You're teasing me. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, I love it. I love it too. So thank you so much, Bill. You've been very gracious with your time. We look forward to seeing you back on the show again. Anyway, uh, if you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show. We would love that. Leave us those five-star reviews. If you think we've earned it, we'd appreciate it. Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Be sure to check out our Spotify page. Be sure to subscribe everywhere you find podcasts. You can also email us, Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljon at SkullRockPodcast.com. I'd also like to thank our friends over there at uh, the Hap... Uh, I'm trying to remember that. Happy, happy Place. It's a happy place, right? Um, we also have uh, Sorcerer Radio to thank, too as well as uh, all the different other bloggers and, and uh, podcasters. Were, were you saying Laughing Place? Laughing Place. Why am I saying laughing Happy Place? place. LaughingPlace.com. Laughing Our friends place. at Laughing Place. Oh my gosh, I just... La- <laughs> I meant to say Laughing Place, and I said Happy Place. I, I, I think I need a Happy Meal, Dave. <laughs> I think I need a Happy Meal. Uh, of course. But anyway, uh, I was saying, yes, thank you to all of them. And don't forget, to, uh, also check out my show, their Dining at Disney Podcast. 
and you can also follow me, Al John Rocks, on Instagram. So, uh, Dave, you've got the final word. Well, as always, Al John, I just want to let our listeners know that uh, you can always check out my website at davidbosser.com. I've got a, about 60 articles up on different aspects of Disney history. Uh, so you can check that out. It's all free. Uh, and uh, if you're interested in any of my books, you can get signed copies of my books at theoldmillpress.com. And with that, I would say go out and have a fantastic week. Be good to one another. And we'll see you back here next Monday right here on the Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List Podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast, here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at theme parks and cruises at gmail.com. <laughs> 